0: Welcome to MemberMaker, a podcast about how to build a sustainable membership business. I'm your host, Ward Sandler, the co-founder of MemberSpace. This podcast is brought to you by MemberSpace, which turns any part of your existing website into members-only with just a few clicks. It's available for Squarespace, WordPress, Webflow, Wix, Duda, Weebly, and custom HTML sites. Learn more at memberspace.com. Hey, Ben. Welcome to MemberMaker. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, yeah. So let's start off with what is your business and who are you trying to help?
1: Yeah, so I run a company called MakerPad and we teach people how to build software without writing code. So it could be a professional who's trying to automate stuff at work or it could be someone trying to build a membership site, for example.
0: Gotcha. So you say you help people build software. so if someone has an idea for pretty much anything and they don't know how to code or don't have development skills, MakerPad would make sense for them to check out. Yeah, definitely. We It's it's a
1: difficult like big audience to try and speak to. So saying things like build tools or build projects, build products, build software, build automations, build workflows. It could be any of those things. So it's uh, it's tough, but yeah, we basically, whatever you can think of, will more than likely be able to get you to that place or at least 80% of the way there without writing code.
0: Right. And for folks that aren't still quite, aren't sure what that means. So writing code obviously means writing code, but putting things together or through something like MakerPad, it uses what's called like no code tools. So that's just different pieces of software that you basically point and click and connect them to each other. So there's no technical knowledge needed you still need to understand the systems within each piece of software right but you don't need to you don't need to know anything about coding to use them
1: yeah you don't need to know how to like spin up your terminal and and start writing the actual code you just use existing tools out there and you basically connect them together to perform like custom software would
0: right right so how did you actually fall into and find this business niche
1: uh, by accident, which is an answer I don't really like giving because I remember being in, like, trying to think of, when I was younger, trying to think of, oh, what was the idea I'm going to be, and then hearing podcasts with people saying, oh, I found this by accident. I'm like, oh, that's no help to me. You want to know how to, like, actually find the answer. But for me, I was trying to build other ideas, and I just didn't know how to code. And the only options at that point were basically learn to code or find someone technical to code it for you. And realistically, like I had ideas all the time and most, probably all of them were like terrible. So there's no point me learning to build this one idea over 18 months of coding and then it'd be like just thrown away or trying to convince someone of this big idea, split an equity, doing all these agreements and then get to it and be like, yeah, this didn't work or it's just complete rubbish. So I just found different tools that I was—I sort of thought, well, I could, I could have this sort of website up and then I could use Typeform to take a payment and make it feel like there's like a, a software product there. So I was doing these for multiple ideas and then none of those caught on, which was uh, upsetting at the time, but people were still interested. So I figured and found out that it was the process of how I was building these things that the people were interested in, not in the actual ideas themselves.
0: Well, I think that's the key right there because you were trying to do something and through that you realized you have a need and a problem. I can't build software, but I want to build software and I want to do it cheaply and quickly and without all the overhead of a partner and equity and all that. And uh, then after you started building stuff without code and those tools or products you created weren't necessarily you know, popular or didn't really take off in a business sense, you still were paying attention enough to realize that, hey, people are interested in the process of how I made this, not necessarily the final product, which again, it's, I wouldn't say that's nothing. I wouldn't say that's by accident. I, I would say that's you paying attention and listening, which is, uh, I think, a skill a lot of people could, could do a better job with.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I definitely didn't listen straight away. And I was always just, just like... It was more like a reflection, and I have found the reflections be quite beneficial over the over the years of, like, every few weeks, few months, or whatever it is, just look back and think, wait, is this the same thing I wanted to build? Is this the same thing? Am I building it in the way I want to build it? Am I running it in the way I want to run it? Is it all sort of on track, or am I missing something? And people I spoke to on my podcast, we had Nathan Barry on from ConvertKit who wrote, who said, like, even just writing down the assumptions initially when you do the thing, it's just a good exercise because then when you look back and think, holy shit, that was like a terrible, terrible idea. How do I not see that then? At least you've got that to look back on, right? And you can reflect on it.
0: Yeah, almost like a business journal of some kind.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm not a journalist, so I, I'm, I wouldn't call it like that. But yeah, it's interesting to see and just look back on, does this thing look like
0: I wanted it to look like? Right, right. Okay, cool. So what are you actually charging uh, for MakerPad? So currently we have a lifetime membership which is
1: $600. We've got some business enterprise plans and we have a yearly plan which is $350.
0: Okay, so 600 for lifetime, 350 for for yearly. So that that's a yearly recurring plan. Yes. Okay, so and then the, then there's the enterprise which we'll dive into in a second. So the 600 lifetime, that's pretty straightforward. That gives you access for life to all of the content on Makerpad, right?
1: Yeah, all the content and any content we release in the future.
0: Right. Okay. And then for the yearly, so why is there a $600 lifetime than a $350 a year plan?
1: Well, this is all testing. Like Pricing for me is always in testing mode. And I mean, it it may frustrate people sometimes when prices change. But I I think that if you're not going to buy it then and there, then it's obviously not like... The value is not there for you to purchase at that point. But essentially, Makeup Ad was a side project for me for a long time, about nine months. So I had a lifetime membership then because it was just a fun thing. And it was getting like 20, 30K a month in revenue. And I was like, sweet, this is just like extra money for me. This is awesome. But <laughs> like, this is fine. I didn't want to have the intricacies of or stress even of thinking, oh, I've got to have a monthly pricing. I've got to have a yearly pricing. Because every month, if you have a monthly price, in, I think you have to start from scratch and say, okay, right, I've got to make sure these 20 people on this tier are now like convinced to also buy it for the next month and buy it for the next month. Everyone's got like, a growing number of subscriptions happening monthly and yearly now. So for me at that point, I was like, well, I don't want to be another subscription. So I just gave Lifetime and people loved it. And then we switched to yearly because it became a business and I thought lifetime wasn't a very good business model and we've tested monthly a couple of times and it's never really been my favorite to say the least but then on reflection again I think we want to test lifetime again because it seems like that's what people want to want to do and want to have like being able to do that it's not a normal thing for a company to offer a lifetime membership so I think people really value it and knowing they can get in, probably get the value worth in the first month or two, if not less. And then everything else is a bonus. They become like a champion of your product and your community. And everything's just like, it's not transactional anymore. Like they've done the thing they've paid, gone through a few courses and they're like, holy shit, I've done, I've built some stuff without code. You've already promised me and delivered what you wanted. Now I'm just like, I'm getting all these extra benefits. So We're playing with that and and seeing how it is and especially now with current climates with the COVID-19 stuff we were thinking of doing lifetime and we've just brought it forward and just said right we'll try it now because people may not want to think about like having a payment on a recurring basis so maybe we'll uh we'll test it and it's been pretty good so far so it's uh we're looking into it more and more
0: yeah no there's a lot of things I want to dive into so number one, the fact that, yeah, it's $600 lifetime. And to some folks, that might seem like, wow, that's really expensive. To others, that might sound like a reasonable price to pay for something. But what's interesting is that for the people that think it's a good deal, they will get a lot of goodwill out of that price, right? So they'll they'll pay 600 yeah. they make a project or two, and they feel like, yeah, I got my money's worth, especially if they're able to generate money via the projects they built because of MakerPad. So anything that they do after they get that, you know, quote unquote, ROI is just complete gravy. It's just goodwill. And that's just going to make them happier and happier. And like you said, more and more of an evangelical about MakerPad. So I think that makes sense. And then the other side of what you were talking about with trying that monthly plan, I think a lot of folks out there, especially in the membership community and entrepreneurs kind of assume, of course, you want to charge monthly, right? That's the Holy Grail recurring revenue. But for a lot of business models that just doesn't make sense and i think for makerpad that might be one of them because there is that that other the other side the other the double edged sword of yeah you're getting money each month but you also have to deliver explicit value each month and for something like what you're providing in your context someone You know, in January might be, you know, let's go build a project. Let's go launch a business. And then let's say it doesn't work out. And then February, they're doing consulting. They don't have time to build something. So they don't want to be paying for something in February because they're not using it. But then maybe March or April comes around and they want to try a different side project. So for what you're providing, it's just like, Hey, we're here the whole time. There's a lot of stuff here to go through. And anyone out there who actually follows MakerPad knows that y'all are constantly releasing things, constantly making new content. Um, new articles, new workshops. So it's not like it's a stagnant thing of like, here's 20 videos and just use it when you want. It's constantly growing and evolving. So I think that model that you're talking about makes a lot of sense to me.
1: Yeah, I think like realistically, if MakerPad was more of a tool, so uh, an example is ConvertKit for me. I, I use ConvertKit as a tool to send my weekly newsletters and like, I can't do that myself I have to use an email marketing tool for that, whatever it is, whether it's Mailchimp, ConvertKit, or MailerLite, or whatever else. So, for a tool, of course, I'm going to pay yearly, monthly, because I need to use that tool. For an education, it seems it seems strange to pay monthly because, like you said, you're in different frames of mind in different times of the year, and it may be that that one month you spin out five to 10 projects or you learn that many things and then you've got that information to then know how to build stuff for the next six months seven months and it just feels like a weird dynamic to charge and to be paying monthly to get access to like lessons essentially and if you think of it you said that 600 might seem a lot to folks and good values for other folks i I completely empathize with that but i think there's like, if you look, if you go out there and look at courses, I mean, essentially what we have is just a lot of courses and some of them are packaged up in like a structured bootcamp and some of them are just sort of standalone tutorials, but tutorial bootcamp course, essentially it's a video with text that teaches you how to do something, whatever you call it. So if you look at some courses, it's, it's not unheard of for people to to drop $2,000 on a course or $700 on a, on a course for like one course for motion design or something like that. But when it comes to like you add the the word membership on there, people just don't think of it in the same way. So we're trying to close off the fact of thinking of it like a, a monthly yearly membership type of product and more of a, hey, I can like get access to learn all these courses, all these boot camps in one payment. So that's why we think, like obviously, I think 600 is a steal, <laughs> and I imagine when we up the price again, I'll be thinking the same thing because, like you said, more and more things get added all the time. We have new boot camps and new things, so yeah, I think that's how I that's how I see it. It is a bit different to a tool based membership, I suppose.
0: Yeah, I mean, lifetime as a membership pricing model isn't unheard of. You're right, though; it's not the it's not the norm, but it's not crazy either. And something just popped into my head, you've probably thought about this, for folks that maybe don't have the cash flow for 600 lifetime, but see the value, have you considered doing like multiple payments, like say, three payments of 250, and like they're contractually obligated to pay that even if they, you know, quote, unquote, want to cancel something like that? I haven't yet, because I haven't had people reach out about that yet.
1: And I don't know, honestly, I don't know how to set that up. I assume I'll be able to do it in some sort of Stripe plan or something. But I don't know what if someone... Like, I just imagine it's the case of someone's trying to get it cheaper, and then they'll go, oh, yeah, I'm just going to cancel this and then do a do one of those fraud things on Stripe, and then I'll have to deal with that on, on that side. So I, I, don't, I don't know. I haven't really looked into it or thought much about it, but maybe that's something we, were, we
0: will look at. Yeah, just curious. So yeah. how did you actually build up that audience then for MakerPad? Because I assume you didn't just launch and it worked like, and you weren't launching to Cricket. So how did you get people to even know about you and, and be paying attention and invested in MakerPad before you launched?
1: Yeah, well, I used to work at Product Hunt and I'm sure people on Twitter will always say that's so how I got followers and things like that, which was true at that point. I had some a few thousand followers from Product Hunt times when my only use was getting you on the homepage. And then when I left, it just it just continued to grow. And I think... I kept on putting stuff out there like these ideas and I was building without code and sort of showing behind the scenes or just doing little GIFs and videos of how I was doing it. And I mean, I've I've never really put too much effort that I've thought of like into growing an audience or anything like that it sort of has happened naturally for me, which is very, very lucky. But yeah, I mean, I was I was putting out all this content. People could hate it, which is why you can unfollow people but people can like it which is why you end up having followers so people were just finding me that way and then like yeah it just it just grew from there i think there was like a list of 800, 800 or a thousand people on my launch list because i did a, a blog post which was like here's the five projects to to start building without code i did that a while before make pad and had like a i'm building something didn't know what i was going to be i just sort of knew that you need to have email addresses. So I had that up to the emails and then started from there.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, if I could kind of summarize that, I would say you were kind of working in public and and sharing what you were learning, right?
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah.
0: So there wasn't some overarching, here's my Twitter strategy and my content release schedule or anything like that. It was just, you follow what you were interested in, what you were passionate about, and you just were sharing what you were learning along the way.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I was like, well, okay, I'm going to try and build, an Airbnb clone today, and then I build it. Then I'm like, "Cool, that was that was pretty sweet." Um, I'll just put it on Twitter. And then sometimes it took off, and sometimes it didn't.
0: Yeah, but I mean, you, you know, you took swings. You you, you know, you shot yeah. your shot. You had to keep trying and putting things out there. And I assume as you were doing that, you were also getting feedback from people that were like, "Oh, this is awesome," or "I want more of this," or you would not hear that, and you'd be like, "Okay, that would I assume sort of shape the next sort of project you would work on or share." Yeah, yeah, it would definitely.
1: Early on, there was a lot of the clone style tutorials because they're the sort of reference points that people understand. So people understand what an Airbnb clone is going to be like. People understand what an Instagram clone is going to be like, but now we're transitioning away from that luckily.
0: Gotcha. So what have you done? Like what are some, I guess, business strategies or initiatives that you've tried that just really haven't worked?
1: We have a, I don't know how many we've tried i don't know if it's too many really we haven't really done much marketing and and luckily a lot of it has been word of mouth which again is not helpful for people who are trying to figure stuff out but we did do we signed up to rewardful and had like a affiliate program i suppose it's called and it's not one of those things that you just can set up and then assume that everyone's just going to do it and it's going to be easy then all of a sudden you get all this viral growth like i think you need to have like People dedicated to, let like helping people on your referral program like be successful. I know people like Morning Brew have a really successful one, and others. But there's like a whole there's a whole product there. There's a whole uh, team looking into that and, and refining it and, and tweaking it. But I just set it up, and I mean we get trickles every now and then, but it's just not a uh, it's not like a, a growth engine that's that's whirring along.
0: Yeah, it doesn't really move the needle. It sounds like, Um, yeah, yeah, I agree with with affiliates. Like we were talking about ConvertKit earlier, like affiliate uh, revenue is like a huge source of revenue for ConvertKit. I know that's been a big success for them. But I think the way to think about affiliate programs is almost like you have a a sales force, like a small little sales team or a big sales team, and you're going to have some people that are like star performers who are like killing it and and generating the vast majority of the of the affiliate links that are coming in. So. Yeah, treating it like a sales force, like a team of people you need to nurture to make them successful, it makes sense, right? As opposed to here's a link, good luck, hopefully you can get us some business. Whereas, as as opposed to, you know, we have someone here to help you to answer any questions you have, maybe to help you with any kind of like collateral or marketing material to help you sell you know maker pad in your case so yeah i think that's a good lesson to think about that you can't just put something out there and hope it works you have to everything is everything everything takes time everything that you want to do well requires effort it's not just going to work automatically
1: yeah absolutely and we're putting together learning from that we're putting together like our, our meetup program with workshops and everything else but obviously with the current environment we're putting a little halt on that for now we'll see uh,
0: we'll see how we pick up with that later in the year Awesome. So Jim, any resource recommendations for folks that are trying to build membership businesses out there?
1: Well, I've started to listening to My First Million from Sam part from The Hustle and Sean, who is now at Twitch. And they just like talk about different business ideas and, and all sorts of stuff like that. And Sam has a, he runs The Hustle, like I said, which is an email list and trends. And that's like a membership site. So they always get into different business types and and how to sort of build and set up some of these things, which is it's quite an interesting uh, listen.
0: Very cool. So how can people learn more about MakerPad?
1: It's MakerPad.co or we're on Twitter at MakerPad, Instagram at MakerPad. And yeah, that's where we're mostly hanging
0: out. And you, you mentioned you have a podcast as well? Yeah, to be released. It's going to be released
1: next week, which is last week of March.
0: Okay. Yeah. Well, well this will be out after that. So what, what's the name of the podcast? Oh... <laughs> it'll be the make a pad podcast <laughs> to be determined yeah well i'm sure i'm sure people can google make pad podcast and find it
1: yeah they'll find it yeah.
0: cool all right ben well uh thanks for taking some time to talk with us really appreciate it
1: yeah thanks a lot for having me
0: if you enjoyed this episode please leave us a review there's a direct link in the show notes we really appreciate it This podcast is brought to you by Memberspace, which turns any part of your existing website into members only with just a few clicks. It's available for Squarespace, WordPress, Webflow, Wix, Duda, Weebly, and custom HTML sites. Learn more at memberspace.com.